Hey guys, welcome to episode 17 of The End of Everything. Today we have the lovely Jorge Valle with us. <laughs> Hi. He's a fellow expert in the digital realm, um, a colleague from Weta Workshop, and in digital visualization for architecture. Our sort of gig at the moment, and he's far better at, us, at it than we are. So, <laughs> yeah, we are willing to learn, and he's going to share today a little bit about himself, and we're just going to talk a little bit about the visualization process, um, the industry, and everything surrounding that I suppose yeah the future of it yeah yeah all sort of things oh yes good things to come yeah. but yeah I thought it'd be, it'd be really good for us if you just give a little bit of a um introduction into your background how you got into this sort of thing and how you became a computer wizard <laughs> yeah a magical absolutely. journey yeah so um, well I come from Spain mm-hmm. yeah. from a little town in Spain and when I was back there, I was working, I studied industrial design yeah. and I was working in a, a furniture manufacturing company. We might need subtitles for this podcast, by the way, because there are a lot of things that I, I cannot pronounce <laughs> properly. So. No, it makes it sound better. Sounds more worldwide. Mr. Worldwide. So yeah, I started working at this furniture manufacturing company and at the beginning it was a bit of like graphic design and like furniture design yeah. but uh, eventually became more of a, a 3d artist role as well because we needed we needed to make like um like images for the catalogs and everything and yeah for the website and a uh, few animations to showcase some like mechanisms and things like that yeah so i started getting into that and like quite a lot and i was liking it and yeah. quite a lot so mm. it was like kind of moving more to the 3d art part than the yeah product design so, part it was mm-hmm. doing kind of the both at the same time but it was it was getting diff- like definitely more interested in that part mm. and it was really cool because i got to like to learn a lot while working and i worked for two years there and eventually after two years i i really thought that i i wanted to to improve i wanted to become like a better 3d artist i wanted to mm. make things look more realistic and yeah like just know all the the details or the tricks or whatever mm. and it was at the point that I decided to just leave the job and come here to New Zealand yeah and actually one of the goals when I when I first moved here was like working at what workshop eventually <laughs> yeah which yeah. I eventually got yeah nice. spoiler yeah <laughs> <laughs> that goal yeah, yeah. and um, but funny thing on the way I got a job in architectural visualization yeah but I got the job because the first year that I was here in New Zealand, I took kind of like a sabbatical year. Mm. So I spent one year just at the beginning, just traveling all around, learning English because I was shit at it. I could, I couldn't <laughs> speak at all. And, and during that year, it was just like a yeah. I I always wanted to have that break, like that yeah. sabbatical, learning the language, learning the the skills of the yeah. of the three D art and three D visualization. So I spent, I think it was like six months or probably more building a portfolio mm. that at the beginning I had this idea of like um, building a 3D studio where I would showcase everything I can do and like an animation inside and the idea got more complex and, and complex and complex and eventually it got out of hand. <laughs> it took a long, long time to... But it was cool because at the same time I was learning all the, all yeah. the tricks, all the, the 3D. And like for those who haven't seen it already, like Jorge is the most amazing website slash yeah. CV. We'll like, in, the, in, the, um, it, it, in the link. It is, uh, I mean, yeah, it might have taken just six months, but it's worth it. Like, <laughs> it, 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 it is, is really so awesome. good. And it's eventually probably 
contribute a lot to you getting to Twitter and stuff, like getting attention and stuff, yeah. I reckon. Yeah. <laughs> well, you probably know a lot of them. Oh, yeah, yeah. I hired you, so. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, thanks, man. Yeah, <laughs> so did you, did you, were you making that while you were traveling? Uh, I started doing it while traveling, because okay. I, so I only had my laptop, and I was, I was actually traveling from hostel to hostel, Yeah. and it was funny, because people like at the hostels, you usually stay there for one week or a couple of weeks, yeah. and they usually saw this nerd just watching, like, just working on the laptop all day, <laughs> while everyone was just like, like watching TV and, <laughs> and stuff, and it was like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> Don't bother me. I have a goal. I have a goal. Yeah. I've got to get into it. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, but it was cool because I had, like, it was really, it was a really good balance between, like, traveling yeah. and places and oh, hiking awesome. and going to parties and then mm. just walking a lot. Because like, actually when you're traveling, like, often you do have downtime where you're just like, oh, I don't know what to do right now, you know? Yeah, especially mm, when you yeah. do it for a lot, like months and months and months, it's quite nice to still have like a bit of structure to your day and do a bit of work or do something productive and then mm, yeah. go off and enjoy yourself. And, yeah. Why did you choose New Zealand? Was it mostly because of weather or? Um, it was in part because of weather, but since I was a child, I've always loved like the Lord of the Rings, yeah. Yeah. The, child, <laughs> yeah. the landscapes, and I played rugby back in Spain. Oh yeah. And in Spain, it's really not popular at all because <laughs> football there is like a religion. Yeah. But rugby is like. Oh, you'd be very unpopular. <laughs> <laughs> everyone, everyone thinks everyone in Spain thinks that rugby is American football. So that's uh, that's uh, the kind right. of level that we have. Yeah. There. yeah. And. So I don't know. I was just an All Blacks supporter since I was a child, yeah. like back at home, like watching the All Blacks play. So I, I've always wanted, and I, I, I always wanted to learn English because I think it was really important for kind of mm. like a, my future, mm. like my career, let's say. Mm -hmm. yeah. English is like you need, you need it to go anywhere. Yeah, to, sure. To talk to companies or to talk to anyone nowadays. It's such a thing you take for granted that you know, mm. as an English speaker, you just um, yeah, you're, you're right. You know, like in you know, you just, if you want to work anywhere internationally or with inter in the growing international world, like mm. you just need English, show you just like that's handy that we can. Well, I mean, it. just just us talking to all these people in the uh, the Ukraine and things like that um, to try and outsource work or get more work and stuff. Like the expectation is they're learning English. We yeah. don't have to <laughs> learn Russian or whatever it might be. <laughs> yeah, know? exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a huge advantage, isn't it? <laughs> so true. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I had a good future in South America if I wanted to. Yeah, but but yeah, I always thought that English, like I, I had to learn English. Mm. So with all that, all those ingredients, I, I thought like New Zealand was a, the perfect destination. Yeah. And, and yeah, it was quite difficult to get here because we only get like 200 visas a year in yeah. Spain. So only 200 people can come per year with a holiday visa. That's bizarre. And yeah. It was yeah, it was it was quite That's a challenge. Yeah, and I actually lost like it's the two hundred fastest people that apply for the visa, and it just like you have to be. I actually was practicing two weeks just uh, like oh, filling okay. the form <laughs> on the computer because you have to do it live in that moment. No, and way. I actually lost it. Like I lost because my internet connection was shit. <laughs> so I lost the, the place. I lost the the, the like. The connection went down, and in five minutes, all the, the visas were gone. No way. But I'm really stubborn, and I kept applying. I kept filling the form and applying for the next two hours, just wishing that like someone like would just turn the the visa down or there yeah. was a mistake with someone. And eventually, two hours later, it was this was like literally two a.m. in the morning. Like 
someone somehow it went through and I got the visa. <laughs> that so was yeah. So it was it was quite a challenge to get here. Wow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> sure. Um, so yeah, that that was the the sabbatical year, like learning. I did all these um, mastering CGI videos, yeah. and these tutorials, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. I. I went through all of them. I, I was learning a lot, and just it was kind of like having this like what what do I need now? I want to showcase like product visualizations. So I need to to know how to how to uh, light a product properly and things like that. So I, I learned a lot during that year. It was really really mm. useful, and and eventually that that um, that portfolio got me a job in, in down in Nelson mm -hmm. here in Zealand as an architectural visualization. And uh, do you want to explain what that is a little bit? Because we probably haven't talked about it that much on here. Uh, architectural visualization? Yeah, go on. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the main thing is, the main, the main use of it is when architecture firms are building a new, a new building, mm. but it's not built yet, but they need to sell it before it's built, or at least they need to, to show it to the clients to attract attention and to make sure that they can keep going make sure that they, they have the, the funds to, to mm -hmm. do it. So in order to do that, they need images, like proper images of the of the buildings, mm -hmm. and both like ex exteriors and interiors, depending on the project. So that's where 3D artists come, come in, because we can create something that is not real yet, and we can make it look quite real. Mm -hmm. Hyper-real. Hyper-real. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Um, <laughs> So yeah, that's I think that's pretty much it, and also yeah. for these kind of like architectural contests where mm -hmm. yeah. um, like just applying for big yeah either like pitching for big jobs or trying to win contests for the yeah. nicest thing on a mountain or something yeah 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 which, is, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. which give the architecture firms a bit of clout down there mm -hmm. really mm -hmm. in winning competitions but it's yeah it's it's uh yeah they but they're never really stylistic images are they they're always they're trying to make the thing look as real and tangible as possible yeah. Yeah. yeah to try and convince people like this is a thing it's going to look exactly like this when it's done you should yeah. buy it now yeah yeah i've met so many people like since i work in that industry saying that oh wait but this is not built already like yeah yeah this is not a photo of the actual thing yeah. like if you wait three years for the building to be built it might be but yeah yeah. I find that so interesting too because you, I mean, you know, our earlier renders, I mean, because we're doing a very similar thing at the moment um, uh, with the architecture visualization. <clears throat> but even, say, a year ago when our images were way less real than they are now, yeah, um, you'd still get people saying, whoa, is that not a photo? And like <laughs> us looking at that now, we're like, that looks garbage. Like, yeah. there's, it's, there's no way that's a photo. But, but then I suppose the people who don't really you know, care or understand about it, like, yeah. how else would it be made? You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, true, yeah, true. You know, just don't understand it. And um, but and also, they're just getting so good now. Like, mm. it's, it is, it is some pictures are just like, even if with a trained eye or whatever, you're just like, is that real? And, like, and then you just go insane, yeah. like, no, it's a brand new like, no, it is real. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah sometimes I, I can't even tell. <clears> no. It, mm. it has gotten to that point that it's, yeah. it's just, like, it can be, like, sometimes a good photo looks like less real than a good render yeah. yeah like that's insane like we're at the point that a photographer makes something look less real than a free <laughs> artist like yeah. what, what's going on bizarre right yeah. <clears throat> so how, how long were you there doing that uh Daniel Nelson I worked there for almost one year oh yeah yep. yeah and yeah, it, was, it was cool because it was 
it was the first time that I was working in that field yeah. properly because mm-hmm. I, I started doing like 3D visualization with the furniture thing but it was really kind of like on my own just learning and trying to do so there wasn't a, there wasn't a like a, a part of that company that did visualization it was just you who they didn't that? do it until I came to the company right. so before that they used to do like like actual photography of the yeah. product yeah and yeah they thought like for it was mainly a reason like the, re- the main reason was speeding up the process of the catalog because yeah. mm. usually you don't have the product the product like the uh, final final yeah. product once again it's selling off the plans right so yeah, yeah i mean yeah. it's always uh, trying to sell something before it exists exactly yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah that was it and i actually struggled a lot at the beginning with the morals of it because they 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 always wanted to hide all the the bad the bad details of the product, like things that are actually mm. wrong, or like things that maybe you are you are seeing a chair and you can see a part in the legs that you wouldn't want to see. So in the images, we get rid of them. And I was struggling a lot with kind of, that kind of like yeah moral yeah the lies yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah so that and that applies also to the architectural yeah. part later and. But yeah, yeah. So I, I did that for almost one year. Then Nelson, mm. I learned a lot. With yeah, that, yeah. Oh, that's cool. And then yeah, I guess then you got the job at Weta, and here we are, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's pretty much it. But that yeah, that's so interesting about the um, yeah the the power we have to kind of change, with Photoshop and things like that. Like the about the ability we have to, um stretch the truth or make things a little bit more real than it really is isn't it yeah and as yeah. soon as you have the license to do that um yeah basically the sky's the limit and if, i mean you see that with clients as well don't you that um as soon as they know your capabilities or they know like oh what you can get rid of that oh or you can hide that oh great do that <laughs> and then you know then they know that basically anything is possible and you you start getting these images that um yeah uh, you're eliminating all the flaws and they're becoming uh, quite ide- idealistic almost, yeah, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, true. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's the same for product photography as well. As, uh, yeah, you get rid of the nasty part lines or things where things don't meet and you can just... Yeah, <laughs> smudges. Smudges, you can do yeah. like that. As well as the thing is, like, what... Because obviously, at a point, it becomes fraud. And, you know... <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. But, like, you probably have to go pretty far to do that. You know what I mean? Like, mm. I wonder what... The, and also, when... You know, maybe it's just assume now that people, you know, when you buy a, I don't know, an iPhone or, you know, anything, headphones or whatever, it's like, oh, cool, there's a picture of it, it looks like perfect and amazing. When you buy it, you know, it's not going to be there. And I guess, is it the same with a house? I don't know. You know, if it's you saw a house, point. you're like, oh, this looks yeah. beautiful. And then um, you get your render up or you've got your made, and you're like, oh, <laughs> this isn't the same. That pop plant was <laughs> <Yeah>. not there. <laughs> yeah. I re- Do it again. I, I reckon it can get to the point of, for example, if it's about the view that you have from the house, yeah. imagine if you are like showcasing the living room and you have like a huge balcony and you see the views. And I'm not saying that this has happened, no, but never, never, <laughs> kind of. But, um, but imagine that in reality there is like a tree blocking part of the view. Yeah, and you don't put the tree in the in the render. Yeah, it's like. The, yeah, it looks like bad. The, cl- the client want doesn't that? want you to put the the, mm. the tree there. Yeah, because their clients, so their our client being the architecture firm. Yeah, they don't want to to show those details, those things that can lead to the to their client to refuse the like to reject the house or things like that. Yeah. 
So sometimes you have to make up things that are even yeah. or that are not there or that are there and you need to get rid of them. Yeah. And that's like if I buy a house and I feel like, oh, that's, that view is amazing. That, that mm. view is mm. like, like I really like I imagine myself in the balcony just reading, reading a book and just having that view. And then you get there and you have a tree blocking everything. <laughs> I would be so pissed off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I reckon like I, I, would, I would definitely sue them. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah. I don't know what's what's the limit there. Yeah, I mean, because I guess um, I mean, there's all sorts of things. I guess you 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 know you look at the burger menu at McDonald's and it's just like no burger ever looks the same as yeah. the as the beautiful burger on top of there. And of course, you're not going to sue them for that. Although some people will be angry. Um, but yeah, I mean, is it always what you see, what you get? I don't know. Yeah, I suppose it's the thing. It's like it's not really like as you say. Like we we are. You know, the architect is our client as a visualization you know, artist or a visualization company. Mm. So it is the architect's responsibility to represent their design truthfully, mm. not yours, because you're just representing what they're telling you to represent. You know what Absolutely. I mean? So it's yeah. not it's not really your, um, yeah, don't say problem, but you know no. what I mean? It's not it's not your decision or responsibility to do that. And um, yeah, I'm sure you know because I mean back in the day, people would just draw sketches, and the same thing would have happened. People would have pushed perspective and. Mm-hmm. muddle with things to represent it how they wanted to or fade things out or whatever you know so it's probably a problem that's been around for but I guess like the, the difference with like a sort of a stylistic sketch yeah, or something true. is that yeah you people know it's abstracted yeah. people know that you aren't actually deceiving people that this thing is real you yeah. know like because I mean there just are many people who will see the renders on the adverts for a lot of these houses and think oh this is a real thing yeah yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, actually, it... in all the websites, whenever they publish a, a render instead of an image, mm. they put the subtitle of artist impression. Um, so they, they, I think they are legally like uh, required, required to do that. to to put that on below the image because mm. otherwise it, it would be like false advertisement. Yeah, and even even for the brochures, like I remember, we were, um, we were working on this um, uh, like retirement village or whatever. And they had like this brochure showing like showing everything to the people who mm-hmm. wanted to move there, and every single image had to put the artist impression underneath it, yeah. just to to make, make them realize that it's not not one hundred percent real. And I I had a funny case of the the client thing, like wanting way too much of a single image, and it was a nightmare because eventually we ended up having having two different signs in the image. The same one, yeah. So the sound was coming from two different angles because mm. he wanted to see everything in one image and just like showing like both balconies at the same time, light it up with the sound. Yeah, and that's so f- like that's yeah, un- like that's fake, completely fake. That <laughs> doesn't even look good. No, but, yeah, but yeah, sometimes that's that's what they want, and sometimes that's what they actually the client mm. appreciates more. Like, yeah, instead of like seeing a dark part of the image just light it up put another sign something yeah because it's actually like there's you know there's another type of visualization which is like visualization for for like to getting consent for like building so people will do impressions of what your new building would look like in Wellington's cityscape or whatever and it has to be as realistic as possible Hmm. because that's what the council's looking at to say Oh yeah, this building's not going to impeach on these people's views too much, or it's, mm. it's not going to be against the feel of the city. So there's, I think, 
you know, they have to be really realistic and like be an accurate representation of what it's going to be. But I mm. suppose from the architect, like doing the interior shot, like they're just trying to represent the idea of the design the best they can. You know, they're trying mm. to highlight what does what design features they've made, which you know are appealing to the client. So I suppose it's like two different mm. markets for it a little bit. Yeah, you know. True. Yeah, yeah. When it comes to the government, you've got to be really strict, but when you you can sell anything to a customer or let you yeah. show anything to the <laughs> yeah. customer yeah because it's more like the idea of it I suppose yeah, the government is about how it's going to affect other people not mm. just the client you know and it, like, it might be helpful too because I mean with that one in particular you you're required to uh, match the let's say if they're using a real camera they, they will survey where the camera is what um, the ratio the focal, the focal length yeah, yeah. and everything and you have to match that directly in your 3D software Mm-hmm. Um, and take it from the exact same angle and project exactly where it's going to be. Yeah. Um, yeah, of course, you don't have to do that for these, but I thought it's probably worth mentioning how we create these images. Like, just in a, in a more basic way, isn't it? Cause, yeah. Because basically, we are using a 3D software. So, whenever you're sort of creating 3D models, as they do for any product or um, what architects do for any um, house or commercial building, um, you are building it all digitally in, as, as a 3D model and then um, from that putting in lighting so you're saying I want the sun from over here um, and some lights in the building or whatever it might be and then you are putting that into a rendering program and that essentially calculates uh, what that 3D model is going to look like with that lighting projected yeah. onto it um, yeah. yeah and so like that's that gives you sort of a um uh, a base image to work with and then you might go into something like photoshop and start enhancing things like a, be it the exposure the contrast and sort of bits uh put some more plants out the front whatever you might be that mm. you missed in the 3d software you can then um touch up in what sort of post-production yeah i think it's a similar analogy to a photographer and how that yeah you know, sure so the, the yep. rendering is the taking the photo and then the photoshop is just post-processing just like any you know photographer mm. would do you know mm-hmm. um but yeah, I mean, that's the thing as well is like, it's, um, you know, as computer technology has been increasing and getting better and better, like we are getting to the point where, you know, accurate light simulation is, to start, there's lots of industries that are built on that technology advancing. So mm. like, like just trying to imitate realism. So the gaming industry is a big one, you know, a multi-billion dollar industry, the biggest entertainment industry in the world, you know, has heaps of engineering firepower trying to calculate the best most accurate light representation to make the most realistic game so now visualization is piggybacking on that technological advance to push forward visualization technology and like architectural visualization so i think without the gaming industry i mean obviously like unreal stuff wouldn't exist but even v-ray and things i don't think will quite be where they are because there's not the economic incentive to represent a house perfectly Mm. but there mm. is in other industries and actually I think I'm not sure if that's the case the exact case but with Unreal they didn't expect people to work in architectural visualization yeah. for example so now that the people are working with that they cannot they don't charge the same price yeah. as they do for uh, like game developers yeah. or like um, yeah like yeah game developers mainly because yeah. they are such a like they are different worlds and they didn't expect that at the beginning yeah so when you create a game, you sell the game, yeah. and Unreal gets a, a percentage of it or whatever. But when you create a visualization, you are not selling the visualization. Yeah. You are selling your 
the time that you've spent on that visualization kind yeah. of so you had to create a new system for that because yeah. they, they didn't even expect that world mm. to be like to to collide with the yeah. the video game system and it's true like right now it's becoming insanely real what you can do in 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 real time like in in just like a video game technology yeah with the rendering engine like with much better render quality than what renders used to look like in like three years ago maybe yeah, yeah. Like, probably yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah and it's real time like you can move around you can create a new angle you can do everything that's yeah I mean that's what actually impresses you know because I mean games when when you know coming from a visualization like coming from our background and figuring out how hard it is to make a beautiful image um, in you know in your visualization software when you see games and like just thinking about how amazing firstly they look like they look so realistic but then obviously you're moving through these super com complicated environments and then there's effects there's guns there's explosions there's sounds there's characters there's animation you know all that to, and then also it's all you know not almost real it's 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 mind-blowing how impressive those things are to build and like that's why they cost so much money because <laughs> like you know oh, it's a great game or whatever it's just so so much time and effort and energy mm. and the optimization i think is also really like impressive because you know we have powerful like hardware rendering these one image but like these games you know you're just playing through on a playstation which whatever is a decent computer mm -hmm. but like it just looks so beautiful as well like mm -hmm. the way that they yeah do that it's really impressive and it's the sort of thing too like with our um you know once we we're talking about it before with that um, one of build media's projects but once you have your your lighting you have a you know a few skies that you use you know like all of our images take place in the real world with you know once you've established your lighting and you know you've got a few things like a street lamp and a post office box and things like that like you're going to use those a lot over and over and again but all these games involve things on alien planets um, that need to have, um, you know, every scene might be different, with yeah. different lighting, different um, assets, different characters, whatever it might be. Like, it's, you know, you, it's very rare that you could probably use the same thing twice in two different games, you know. Yeah. Everything has to be custom built. It's kind of like a film. Mm. Well, yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, in the end, in the end, it's like a film with digital actors. And, yeah. yeah, that's and so true. Like yeah. A, a person that is actually moving them. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. I mean, a film, uh, to be fair, you know, the, the, speaking of the film, like the film industry is another, obviously, Goliath industry, which has been pushing, you know, visual effects, which mm -hmm. is all, it's all the same technology, just different pipelines to get different outcomes out, really. I mean, doesn't, do they render films with V-Ray? Do they use V-Ray to render film shots, I think? They maybe do? Some of them, yeah. I think they do. Mm -hmm. So, like, yeah, that's the same sort of thing. Kids Group was, uh, I think, was related to Weta Digital at some point. Yeah, doing something uh, together. Yeah. So, I so like, yeah, even film. So obviously the money coming from that and then powers. You know, it's all like the same. It's just like it's kind of weird. Like um, I don't know if you ever like to. You don't remember classics when they would draw the pots and it was always like trying to imitate, like the drawings would get better and better trying to imitate like realism. Like was the point of, um, mm. classical art, it was like trying to make the most real like realistic human form and like you see they like early pots where the people just like janky shitty people and then like at the end they're like oh wow this is like looks like, like a really good person and then from that they went to hyper real where they would like make people that look better than real people yeah. like some mm -hmm. of their statues like the proportions are like actually more beautiful than what a human form is yeah and like that kind of like reminds me of what we're doing now where like you know computer graphics was like trying to get you know better and better and better and like 
it gets to a point where you're like, this is real, and now like, are we going into the hyper real where we're like making things that are actually be- look better than reality? You know yeah. what I mean? And also, like, I do think as well is like, especially with films, when you watch a film at the time, you're like, wow, this is completely convincing that this is real. But then as soon as you go back and watch an old film, you're like, this doesn't look <laughs> like this is not real at all. Yeah. This is terrible. Mm. So I do wonder as well, like do we only get perspective once we've kind of surpassed what we're at now? You know what I mean? I should, like, I wonder, for example, in, in art history in general, like people, like when, when art became so real that it couldn't be improved, it's when abstraction came in. Yeah. Mm. I wonder if that's, that could be a play, like applicable to this kind of like visualization in the future. Yeah. Like, it's a bit tricky because like the client needs to be needs to see the real thing, but for the point of view of an artist, it's kind of boring not being able to get better or yeah. mm-hmm. not do anything like, new. Yeah, doing anything new, and mm-hmm. if you if you are going going to like showcase your work in a in a website or in a in a magazine or whatever, if if everyone has the same level eventually, if if everyone is like top notch, like doing absolutely real stuff. I wonder if it if it will go to some kind of abstraction or some kind of like um, show showing yeah, buildings know. or in the most minimalistic way or things like that. Yeah, I mean we've we've yeah, definitely had this too. we've had this discussion as like what we're doing because I think you're right. I think we are. It definitely feels like we're reaching that point where photorealism or basically photorealism is becoming um, you know just widespread and pretty affordable. Like you can get renders overseas that if it's a, if it's the right kind of project people can produce like photorealistic images for three hundred dollars or whatever mm-hmm. you know what i mean mm-hmm. so um i think we are getting to that ceiling where that's ambig- you know that is like yeah everyone can achieve that level so what's the difference between this one and that one and all these different images and um yeah i think you're right like mm-hmm. it's, there's got to be something else where people are going to try and represent things in a different way or an interesting mm-hmm. way and yeah i think like that too is I think you'll start to see, I mean, I mean, we've all kind of faced the issue of people not really appreciating the time it takes to create these images. Yeah. And I, I wonder if that's similar to uh, the appreciation a f- wedding photographer lacks as well. Because yeah. like, from what people see, people are just, they're just taking a picture, they're clicking a button, it's like, how hard can that be? <laughs> With, and he's so expensive per hour. Yeah. You know, this, I think it's why it's so hard to get a photographer. But I mean, we know how hard photography is like to get right and just how much yeah, you have to absolutely. know. Yeah. Um, but I wonder, you know, as soon as we start to introduce that abstraction back into it and like you see it on LinkedIn, there's the sort of architectural illustrations versus the renders. Mm. Everyone will look at the, the arguably basic, um, architectural illustrations. Um, and say, wow, that is amazing. Yeah. You are so talented. And when we look at like, we could do that. It's so much easier than what we do. Like that's just a like yeah. you know that's just a half hour in Illustrator or whatever it might be. You know, yeah. kind of that duration. But um, I wonder, you know, as soon as we start to get that authorship or that artistry back into like those images, I wonder if there'd be more appreciation for yeah. that as well. Actually, do you know who I this brings to mind? Is I don't know if you follow that Instagram account called Beeble. Oh yeah, the yeah. Uh, everyday everyday visualizations. Yeah. He's a guy who does oh, those like crazy oh, yeah. animations of yeah. like Trump and stuff. Like and, uh, yeah. the guy is nuts. He is insane, <laughs> but he's really talented. And yeah. also yeah. his um his images have like a really beautiful artistry to them. Mm-hmm. So like 
I'm not sure how he does that. I'm not sure it's some filter setting or whatever post-processing setting, but it like it, it produces a really painterly finish mm-hmm. on a lot of his still images. I was thinking like that. Mm. He's managed to nail this like aesthetic where it is a style, and mm-hmm. like there are a few artists out there which who are you know render artists, digital artists who who who, can, who have done that. They do have a look, but and it's very rare, isn't it? I mean, yeah. like you look at a Van Gogh, and it's like that's a Van Gogh. But when do you ever look at an architectural render and think, oh, that's a Dreambox render or that's yeah. somebody, but you know because I, they actually, are. Yeah. yeah, when I when I was working in Nelson at the uh, Miles Montgomery company, mm. I we reached the point that we had like few references, we like few companies as a reference, because mm. you could tell so easily the style of each of each of them. Yeah, and they it might be just like a, the post production that they have. Yeah, the kind of the color palette that they use in the renders, or, mm. but you could you could really tell which one. Like just by looking at the image, which company had made that image? Yeah, it was that kind of style. And for like we were trying to find that style as well. Like we were trying to to kind of like have the best as a reference and trying to find our own style yeah. at the same time. Yeah, uh, but it's true. Like you, you can if you take the five best companies of visualization, and you shuffle random images from them. I think uh, once you know them, it's pretty easy to tell which mm-hmm. one is from which. Mm-hmm. Because they are, in the end, we are artists. Like we are, we've got we, your toolkits. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's not like a, I don't know. It's not just like going with a phone, and take a photo, and that's the image. Mm. Like it's taking a photo, but then editing that photo in a way that you think it looks better. And no, like there are no two artists that think the same way in that mm. in that kind of edition. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting. It's so like a, you do become like sort of connoisseurs of like yeah, the yeah. of the the render world, you know, and that you yeah. can like tell that ah oh, yes, there's something. and like what renderer it comes from is another one. Like you can <laughs> yeah. quite, you can yeah. quite easy tell if it's a Corona versus V-Ray versus Unreal versus whatever you, you yeah. know. But mm. it's like so subtle, but this is something the way that the light light works. But um, yeah, <laughs> but that's the thing. Also, sorry, because no, um, we know that because we work in the industry. But those images in the end are focused for people who doesn't know anything no. about this industry. No. So they, they need in the end like the, the, the target of those uh, of those photos or images mm. uh, is to sell the product to people who have no idea how that photo has been taken or how that image has been made. So they don't they don't think about that kind of process. They only think if it looks good, if it's um, um, if it draws the attention and things like that. And also, I feel like it depends a lot on the on the context of the like the the parad- paradigm of the time of the images. Because um, if a person sees something, it's like a photography. If like a photo ten years ago, a great photo of ten years ago, it's probably not that good nowadays. Because photo has improved a lot, and I feel like people want to like. We have so many references that we need to. The client needs to see something that is adapted to the current reference of imaging. So if they see if they see a render from ten years ago, they probably want it because it, yeah. it was shit. Yeah. <laughs> but ten years ago, they would have bought it. So mm. it also it's a bit of a like putting yourself in the mind of the client instead of the mind of the artist sometimes and see yeah what he's actually going to appreciate from that image mm. and he's going to compare it to to your like to what he sees every day on the tv on the films 
or mm. the, the quality of, of, uh, of film of photography that the films have and so and things like that and it's kind of like the need of adapting yourself to the the current state of imagery in general like yeah everything like we we, we have so many mm. like so many dispositives now that we we see images on but you kind of need to adapt to those to the situation just for the client yeah 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 no, and, and it, it needs to be familiar yet unique almost isn't mm -hmm. it it's like uh not strange enough that it's just like oh what's this yeah, but it's, yeah. yeah it's enough you can't push the envelope yeah. too far or else you lose yeah. it i think like spy like spider-man the spidey verse you know that, i mean, that film yeah. i don't know it's like, yeah it's a really good example of that you know it's like it's a familiar animation style but well it's not the style is unique and great but it is still tangible you know there's all familiar elements within yeah yeah yeah, that's a really good example of like someone yeah. pushing the envelope and really like using that art style to their advantage like, yeah. but I think that that's part of I think why it's so important to have your own style because as soon as you um, as soon as you have your own style that is recognised by the public then people come to you and say you know I want a Van Gogh yeah and they're not going to expect the Mona Lisa they're going to expect something mm -hmm in Van Gogh style you yeah. know and they're going to give you the artistic license yeah. this mm -hmm. is like I'm not going to tell you how to do the Van Gogh style yeah like um, I just want one of your works and stuff yeah. like that but wrong, if, wrong with that sorry mm. from the artist point of view is that Van Gogh like when he was alive yeah. it was not popular at all he didn't sell <laughs> yeah so yeah, yeah. I'm not sure if we, we really want to be like Van Gogh no like, no true yeah I that's think, so true I, will, I would like to enjoy the be popular in 120 years I would like years. to enjoy the, the, the income of it when I'm alive <laughs> fair enough it's very selfish on you Jorge um, I mean, it's like it's like you know any architecture for you know fostering partners people go to mm. fostering partners because they have a style they do it that way and that's where people go you know it's any creative industry really and you know the waiter people mm -hmm. go to waiter because they do it a certain way and they're not going to ask waiter to make things like how i don't know well some chinese but, factory you know but I, I think i don't know if waiter do have a style really either because it, so much of the style does come from the directors that have seen all these other films and say i want something that's similar to ghost in the shell but has elements of whatever it but might i guess be. Like the way in which they construct prop you know the way the quality in which they do things at you know that mm. sort of thing it's not like necessarily a visual style but it's a you know it's mm. a brand identity i guess mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm. what i mean that's, that's what you know arguably an artist's style is you know like an artist's value is you know tied to it's like you know yeah brand identity, brand identity how much yeah. how much is worth it, the fact that that artist started and not that's you know the whole argument of like, oh it's easy anyone can do that but you know you didn't and also you're not that artist yeah. <laughs> so no, that's very you true. know yeah. uh, it's and it's the same with visualization actually mm. very the same you know yeah you know some company that no one knows about in wherever in the world does it you know mm. makes an identical image to you know build media or any of these companies it's not worth as much as if build media to it mm. and like it's uh that's just kind of the essence of the creative pursuit potentially i don't know uh, yes yeah, as we, yeah. As we gaze to the future, of the... <laughs> yeah. beyond that, uh, you know, anything else, guys? Oh, no, that's a pretty good, good place to leave it, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's great. No, it's good. Eh? Yeah. Okay, um, yeah. So th thanks for uh, joining us. I suppose we will come up with episode eighteen next week, and who knows who we're going to have on? I don't. Yeah, no, there's not exactly a queue of people lining up. There's a massive queue. Oh, well, sorry, there's a massive queue, <laughs> so we're just going to. Okay, no, yeah. <laughs> anyway, thanks for joining us, guys. Cheers. Cheers. Bye.